0: You know, last week we've talked, and we have been talking about Family Matters for a while. This is the sixth week, and we have uh, this is the third week on parenting in the Family Matters series. And the first one was talking about having a plan and, and, and with our children and those kind of things. The second one we talked about last week was a little bit about discipline, but mainly focused on the idea that your children go through stages, and as parents we have to understand those stages. That as they go through these different groups, as, 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 they, as they mature from little bitty ones to, to bigger ones, Uh, There are certain ways that you you can deal with them. There are certain things that you can do. There are some things probably that we, once we understand, we wouldn't have done had we done it over again. But, uh, you know, those broken down, the four stages were the discipline stage, one through five. And then we broke it down into the training stage, 6 through 12 or 5 through 12. That's where we can begin to instruct them and teach them about the word of God. Help them find Jesus. Learn to love him more. A little bit like our vision here at Victory. But but begin to instruct them and help them understand the voice of the Holy Spirit and be able to follow it. I know there are only five, there are only six, there are only seven. Some of it, it, it goes and matures over time. But as you tell your testimony, as you share what God has done, as you share the places where you made it, as you share the places where you missed it, they begin to get confidence in their life that God is good. Train a child in the way that they should go, and when they get old, they will not depart from it, Proverbs 22, 6, or the way we talked about it out of the Message Bible said. Point a child in the direction in which they should go, and when they get old, they won't be lost. Today we're going to talk about the parable of the lost son and we're going to share a little bit about that. The the third stage was the coaching stage and the fourth stage was the friendship stage. And when everybody left last week, I didn't want to leave on a down note. I didn't want anybody to feel poorly or feel badly about the choices that you made. Most of us have come to the Lord later in life and our children have lived in a home where we didn't necessarily teach them the biblical way to grow up like we would have had we been saved for a long time. Let me tell you God's grace is big. His grace is sufficient and that it overcomes all of those things. Romans 8:28 says, Romans 8:28 says that he will turn all things around for good for those for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. So if you've made some mistakes along the way, awesome. Who hasn't made a mistake? Trust God that he's big enough to make up for your mess. Because some folks left and had some questions and some things uh, about what had gone on. I shared this, this story or I shared this passage in Joel chapter 2, verses 25 and 26, where it says, says that God is a restorer of all the years that the cankerworm and all of those other worms that he lists have taken and have eaten. And I think many times we think of stuff that we lose because of, of bad living, but there are parenting decisions that we have made that haven't been the best. But let me tell you what, God can restore those things. God can restore that relationship. Hebrews 4.16 says we come to Him, His throne of grace in the time of need. We all make choices. Your kids have made some great ones, and they are probably going to make some that aren't so great. You have made some great ones as a parent, and you're going to make a few of them that might not be so great. But one thing we have to remember is the message title this time that says, This too shall pass. Now, That may be, for some of you, you got some kids who are doing some crazy stuff, and I'm telling you that this, too, shall pass. They've been difficult to raise, and they've been a lot of work. This, too, shall pass. Maybe you had a lot of good times, and they're wonderful, and they've done nothing but smiles. Hey, that's going to pass, and there's going to be more time down the road. This relationship that you have with your kids lasts forever. The gist of this title says, as parents, when you approach parenting, You have to do so, yes, biblically, yes, being led by the Spirit. But we have to approach it with this perspective, that what we do today, how we handle ourselves in this situation, what we say, the way we allow our emotions to either be under control and following after the fruit of the Spirit, or being the the flesh and the things that go sideways and go crazy, all, all of that stuff that goes on in that moment will be remembered because what you're facing today will pass. We need to deal with our children with this in mind. The things that I do today are seeds that I'm planting for the future. Galatians 6, 7 through 9 says, God won't be mocked that whatever a man sows, this he shall reap. So realize that I know the situation that you face today is difficult with your teenager. Or I understand that the situation you face today with your grown child is difficult, but the way you handle yourself in this situation today is a seed that you're planting for tomorrow. Because I promise you, this moment will pass. There have been lots of things in your life that you didn't think were real funny when they happened. But they're stories that you tell today, and they're funny. I'm not saying that what's going on in your life with your kids is someday going to be funny, but I am telling you that someday your perspective and and what you see will be different than it is today. And what seeds are you planting as you go that direction? If you turn to Luke chapter 15, I want to read this passage about the lost son. And if you say, well, you know what? I don't have any lost children. Mine are all doing all right, and they're little, and they haven't gone their way or any of those kind of things. That's awesome. The things that we talk about today, the five keys. To stand in the gap for your child. They work no matter if they're three years old, six years old, 17 years old, 25 years old. They work and they're true for you as a parent, whether your kids are doing what they're supposed to or they're not. They're important for each one of us no matter where you find yourself in the whole scale of parenting. But this passage starts like this. Jesus, it says, continues and said there was a man. This was after he had talked about the lost the lost coin and and the lost pearl. Now he's talking about the lost son says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So it says that the father divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, and he set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out, to a citizen of that country who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. He is so hungry, his, his stomach needed filled, he was so empty, that the pods that the pigs were eating looked like good food. Oh, if I could just eat the slop that I'm giving the pigs because I'm, I'm so wanting. And then he goes on, though. And verse 17 is the one that makes me smile because it says, When he came to his senses. He said, after he came to his senses, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father found him, saw him and was filled with compassion for him. So he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said, Father, I I have sinned against you and against heaven, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe in the house and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this child of mine was dead, but is now alive. He was lost, but now he's found. Today, I want to talk about this passage just a little bit and go through a few things That in my life, I feel made a big difference in me becoming all God wanted me to be. And they weren't just the things that God said to me and believed about me. These were some things that my parents lived. And in living these truths, it helped me. It gave me an opportunity in my life. It taught me and trained me that God is good. So I just want to share a few things with you. First of all, before we get to the five points, the things that you say and the things that you think shape your future. The word says in Proverbs 18.21 that death and life are in the power of your tongue. You have a great weapon in your mouth. Don't use it for harm. Use it for good. What are you saying and what are you thinking about your kids? What are you saying and what are you thinking about your life? What are you saying and thinking about your situations? Because those things are the seeds that we talked about in Galatians, and they shape your future. The first thing that I wanted to share with you today is about your words. As you go back and look at the first thing that that, that is listed there in the five keys, really, that that God, I feel like God gave me, to standing the gap. You stand the gap for your kids from the time they're born until the time they, till the time. Why would we ever stop? I know my mother still stands the gap for me, and I'm, I'm almost 45. It's important now. I don't live in her house, but she still stands the gap for me. When I talk to her, she says things like, this is what I've been praying for you. You still pray for me? I'm 45. That's wonderful. These are, what, these are the things that I'm still believing for you. So she keeps doing this. The first thing is real simple. Speak the truth over them no matter what. Proverbs 18:21 in the Message Bible says, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. I can share about this from the perspective of the son who's lost because I was once found but got lost. Many of you probably know people. Maybe maybe you have children. Maybe you are one of these or were one of these lost kids. But your kids don't have to be lost for you to say good things about them. Say good things about them all the way. If you think you've said it enough, wonderful, that wonderful thing about your child, your son or your daughter, you've said it enough, say it 10 times more. Because they need to hear it. If your child is lost and gone the wrong way and not maybe living the way in which you raised them to live, continue to say good things about them. They're going to make bad choices. They're not living right. How many of you, in your not living right, made great choices? We say, but I wasn't raised that way, so I haven't. You don't get an out. If you made bad choices, you made bad choices. If your kids are out there doing their thing and they make bad choices, they made bad choices. Pray for them. Speak God's best over their life. Well, I tried, but I just got tired, and they never got their stuff together. Yeah, but someday this will pass. And the seeds that you plant today begin to shape your future. Continue to say good things. My parents, Pastor Pam and Bill, they had opportunity to say, I was not giving them any reason to say good things. They had opportunity to say all kinds of stuff. Some of you know me and you know my story and you know where we've been and where we came from and the fact that they were pastors out in Tulsa and they came here and they were pastors. I went through Christian school, was the class president as a senior, and then I don't know what happened from May, whatever that was, when I graduated in 1986 to when I ended up at school and when I ended up going that direction. Maybe it was my cousin and he influenced me and messed me up. Rod, I can't believe you did that took me the wrong way. I was going the wrong way and I picked him up on the way. And so (laughs) I was a mess. I was this kid in the fact that I went the wrong direction. Nobody gave me a big sum of money that I blew. I just began to blow my life. And as a parent, there's nothing that's probably more difficult to deal with than a child who goes the wrong direction. But one thing they never did that I know of was speak bad things about me. When people would tell them the things I was doing, they would turn those around for the good. When I was a bartender and doing all those kind of things downtown and running and laying, I was, I was in that world and in that mess. God began to speak to my mom and told her the things to think about me and tell about me, to begin to speak, that I was just in the wrong pulpit. I was in a position where these guys would come and we'd party and drink and do all these things. I was the bartender and I, I, was, I was just helping people, just talking, just like I do here probably not with all the scriptures and all the prayer, but, you know, the same heart. So God began to say that, and you know what she did? She began to confess that over me. God, I thank you that you've called him to speak and to preach and to do these things, and I know he's in the wrong pulpit, but he will change and he will be in the right pulpit. They began to speak the right things about me. What are you saying about your kids? See, we said have a little bit of a plan. Why do we need a little plan about where they're going? So we can say the right things about them. Because your words are seeds and they're planted in their life. The second thing is always believe God's best. And this is important. Speaking words are great, that's wonderful, but believing, you have to believe God's best. Now let me explain this the best I can. In my life, I struggled with believing God's best for me. I was doing the wrong thing. Now, I'm not necessarily at many of these points and junctures talking about your 6-year-old or your 12-year-old. I, w- I, was, I was old enough to make some horrible decisions, and I made a lot of them. And I struggled in my life with believing that God was big enough, believing that there was an opportunity. The enemy came and told me that it would not never happen. The enemy came and told me I'd never be what God told me I would be. The enemy told me that all the choices that I've made had ruined all the good choices that I'd made in my life. But there were people who believed in me, who believed God's best for me. And because my parents believed God's best for me, that gave me hope. See, I know God is the one who brings that hope in your life, but because my parents believed the best for me, I could believe God's best for me. I was already your your lost son, the one who's not walking that way, the one who's gone the wrong direction. That that child is already, I guarantee you, many of you were like this in in yourselves, but that person is already struggling with believing God's best. If I as a parent then don't believe God's best, what hope does my son or daughter have? But as the parent who gave birth to this child, I believe, they believe God's best about me. It gave me an opportunity to believe God's best. Even at 22, even at 24, even as I began to get my life together, right about 25, 25 years old, I should know better. I've been trained completely different. I used to come and sit behind this pole over here at church. Hide, how can you hide behind the pole? I was big as a house. It didn't work. I mean, you can't. How can that little skinny pole? hide? <laughs> but they never stopped believing that I would become all God created me to become. I knew they believed in me. And that gave me hope to believe in God. I believed because they did, and it changed my life. Don't stop believing God's best. The third thing, and this is where it gets somewhat dicey. The third thing is accept, don't reject. The one thing I was never, I was never rejected by them even in their positions as pastors in Tulsa, even as their positions as pastors in this church, even when I was doing all the wrong things and not living well, I was never rejected by them. I was only accepted. Whether I was drunk or whether I was was sober, they accepted me. Whether I talked right or didn't talk right or whether what I was doing was correct or it wasn't correct, and believe me, it was talking wrong and not doing the right thing, they accepted me. My definition of acceptance, you've heard this before, I've taught it before, it's looking past, the the, the acceptance is looking past the sin for the express purpose of sharing the love of Christ. I'm not agreeing with you in your sin. Not for one moment did I think that I was right. Believe me, your prodigal knows they're wrong. It's the one thing you don't have to do with the person who's in this story and who's lost. You don't have to go back and tell them they're wrong. We wake up every day knowing we're wrong. No matter how messed up I got, no matter how far gone I got, I woke up every day knowing I was wrong. I didn't need my parents... Reaffirming that in my life. Because anything that reminded me of being wrong pushed me further that direction. In my life, their acceptance of me, even in my mess, made a difference. Because those days passed. And my life changed. And I am thankful that they were accepting of me, not resentful that they rejected me. Jesus came into this world not to find fault. That's assigning blame. He came into this world to offer forgiveness. That absolves you of blame. One of the questions that was asked sent in when we asked for parenting questions was this, and it fit this particular one because it was about an older, older kid's situation. It says, what is the right way to handle adult children who no longer live in your home? They aren't serving God, and they live out of town and would like to come stay for a weekend, but they bring their girlfriend or fiance. They live together, and they don't want to sleep separately. This is a tough one. I would say this, if there's younger children in the home, the answer might be different than what I'm about to share. First of all, ask God, because he will begin to give you, like Elizabeth said in the offering, creative thoughts, creative answers, and solutions that you couldn't come up with on your own. He knows the things that those kids are dealing with, and he can have you do something that wouldn't make sense to your mind, but would absolutely strike these folks where they live. That being said, all the kids are gone. This is just your older kids coming home. What do you do? I'll ask you this question. Would you want to be right or would you want influence to make a difference? We can be right and end up wrong. And please hear me. I'm not saying go for it let them in, let them do heinous, wild things in your house. I am saying, I would rather accept them for who they are, love them, believe God's best for them, and eventually, as this day passes, have a relationship with them where they understand and know and love me as I do my parents for the acceptance that they gave me in the midst of my mess. Please hear me. You have issues, and you got ideas, and you already have thoughts on this, and I respect all of those. I'm not saying as a church this is our viewpoint and this is our our stance. What I am saying is at times in my life I've forced the issue to be right, and I've shut the door on my influence to make a difference. And I know this is a big issue, and I know it's a hot topic, but look at it this way. In my situation, I was married to Elizabeth, but I was drunk every moment I wasn't working. I lived with them. I fell down the stairs in their house, drunk, saying all kinds of things in the middle of the night, throwing pizzas all over the place with the baby monitor on, and they heard it all. But I never heard it from them. They accepted me, loved me, and I'm sure picked pepperoni off the wall. I don't know what else. Now, how much different is that situation than the first one we don't like the first one and as a dad that'd be very difficult because that's my daughter it's difficult enough when they get married to think about that i haven't had to face that situation yet i believe and pray that i don't ever have to face that situation but i do know this there came a day where i got sober And I got set free. And I don't have the baggage of them rejecting me and my sin to get over. All I know is that they accepted me. And when it came time for me to change my life, it was real simple. The only thing that had been modeled to me as a loving parent was acceptance. So when I finally, like this young man did, came to my senses It was real simple for me to come home because I knew I would be accepted by God because they accepted me even when I was wrong. So I'm not trying to get up on a soapbox and tell you you're incorrect with your views. Be led by the Spirit in all the things that you do. I'm just throwing out this idea that says sometimes being right shuts the door on your influence to making a difference. I'm not talking about 16 year olds i'm not talking about 12 year olds i'm talking about idiots like me who were 25 years old or 23 years old and just doing the wrong thing is that all right it's important there's something about being accepted you have the opportunity to reach your child to make a difference in your child's life. Don't lose it just to be right. It's important. Smile. Everybody still love me? It's all right. One last thing. I can't tell you to back down from what you believe. I'm not doing that. But I can tell you this, that when it's over, you want them to be running towards you, not running from you. Fourth thing, and this goes along with some of this. The fourth thing, don't take it personally, walk in forgiveness. Doesn't matter if they're 2, if they're 6, if they're 12, if they're 18, if they're 28, they're going to hurt your feelings. Don't take it personally, walk in forgiveness. Now, they were the pastors of this church, and I, none of you all, because this has been a long time, I hung out and partied with some of y'all. Think about that. I would go into Magoo's. How many of you remember Magoo's? You know, most of y'all is too young for that anyway. It's, anyway, back in the day, Elizabeth would go grocery shopping at Marsh, and I'd go to Magoo's, and I'd wait for her to get done, then we'd all go home. And I'd shoot pool with a handful of you who, who were at Magoo's. My bad decisions did not have anything to do with their parenting skills. Don't take it personally. When they're teenagers and they do something awful, we're many times more concerned with how it looks on us than what they're going through. When they're like this kid lost, running and gunning and doing their own thing, they're not sinning against you. They're sinning against God. Don't take it personally. It's not a reflection of your parenting skills and your parenting ability. When Daniel was younger, I was his teacher. (laughs) I was his father. And at that time, Elizabeth and I were the, the pastors in blaze with the students. So on all three fronts, I had responsibility for this little one. And when he would make mistakes, I felt it on every side. But we had to come to the realization that, you know what? We love him more than the mistake that he's made and it doesn't have a reflection on us as they go through that coaching years and into the friendship years, they have a will and they will express it. You did too. Don't get all self-righteous toward your lost ones. We all had those same decisions and we made some rough ones along the way. And we would say to our parents probably today, it had nothing to do with you. It was my mistake. So don't take it personally. Always walk in forgiveness. They'll hurt your feelings, whether they're little ones or big ones. Usually it's not on purpose. Sometimes it is. Doesn't matter either way. Forgiveness is a must. The fifth one. And this is the last part, and then we're going to pray. This is really true whether they're two years old, six years old, 10 years old, or whatever. But this is especially true once they've made some choices and begun to go go their own way. Please, as somebody who's been there, please don't ever give up on them. They already want to give up on themselves. I know they don't act it. They act tough. They act like they got everything together. It's all good. I make all the right choices. But the struggle that you wake up with, lost like this, knowing the truth, knowing the way home every day, and then not having somebody in your corner, who's speaking the right things, believing the right things, accepting you for who you are. Somebody who's forgiven you and reaching out to you time after time after time. To not have that in your life, I I, I don't know. I'm sure I would have made it. I'm sure I would have got to this point. I'm sure I would have been here. God's plan was for this to happen and be this way. But I'm telling you, to have somebody who won't give up on you. Even when you don't even want to stand for you. When your kid doesn't want to. You wake up every day smelling it. This is the smell of sin in your life. The taste. The trying to do it right but making a mistake every single day. Some of you were there. You know what this is like. But to be able to come. I just lean on Him. And just know that it's going to be okay. Just to be able to know if all hell breaks loose and everybody else leaves me. They'll never leave me. Even in the past, there's the pastors of the church, and I am jacking it all up. They will never leave me. There's something about that. I never I, I I never felt alone. And let me tell you this will pass when it did because they were in my corner they always spoke the best they always believed the best they never took it personally they always accepted me they never gave up I was able to come one day and sit down and say I'm done I'm free I'm here that was in 1995, from December to January. I preached my first message in 1996 and never looked back. And they've never taken me back. Because the old has passed away. And all things have made.
1: We hope this message encouraged you. Victory Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and his gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus, and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at VictoryLafayette.org.